So we're going to turn, the text we're going to be in today is Proverbs 31. We're going to start in 10. I'm not going to have a bunch of slides on it because it is some scripture. Um, I'm going to read a lot of it and I'm kind of going to try to break this down as we go along. There we go. Thank you. I was going to say, just because harps here don't mean anything changes. <laughs> all right. So Proverbs 31 should ring a bell. We talk about Proverbs 31 women all the time. The first couple of verses um, is actually like a portrait of what a virtuous wife should look like. Uh, then it gets on down into motherhood a little bit later on. So we're going to pick up in verse 10. It says, a wife of noble character who can find... She is worth far more than rubies. So right there automatically in the first verse, uh, it talks about a value, a value that women have, a value that wife should have, uh, a value that mothers end up having. You do bring something to the table. You are valuable. You are necessary, and you are appreciated. Um, verse 11 goes on and says, Her husband has full confidence in her. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. When it talks about a husband has full confidence in her, that becomes a trust factor. So men, if you cannot trust your wives, um, that becomes an issue. Women, if you do something to make your men not trust you, that becomes an issue. Verse 13 says, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of the earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. So 13 through 18 is basically talking about a work ethic, provision, um, nurturing. 18 goes on to say even their trading is profitable. Um, a lot of women nowadays, especially this is a different time obviously than back then, a lot of women didn't work back then. Uh, nowadays I think it's fantastic uh, that women get to have their own careers. Um, sometimes, you know, we go back to the way things used to look maybe in my grandparents' generation. Uh, my grandmother's in her 80s, and she still doesn't even have a driver's license. She never had to. She stayed at home, and she took care of the kids. Uh, I think a lot of things that changed is when the family dynamic started to change uh, when, we'll just say, our government implemented things to where both parents had to work. I think that took a lot out of the home just to have that person there constantly, that mom, that nurturer, just that constant companion always at home. The kids would come home from school, you know, chores were done, and then dinner was cooked. The man would come home and eat, and it was just a, con just a repetitive nature. Nineteen in her hands, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for, their, for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. So verses 20 through 22, uh, 
uh, A and 20 is talking about open arms, extends her hands to the needy. Generosity. You know, is your wife a generous person? Does she help you serve? Does she serve the home? Does she serve your kids? Does she serve at her job? And it talks about provision again. 23 says her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. I got, uh, when I read that verse, I always think about the representation uh, that you provide for your family. Um, Her husband is respected at the city gate because of what she brings to the table. Everything that you will hear us talk about, I know Harp talked about the structure a lot and how you have Christ as the umbrella, man, woman, and children. But inside the home, that should be a dual role. So when the respect that the man gets is obviously because if the woman's respected, so is the man. Verse 23, or I'm sorry, down to 25. So here's kind of where it starts talking about more of the mom. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. So it talks about bringing shame upon yourself. It trickles down into the family. It says she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise. Amen and amen. Ladies, if you don't think you have value, motherhood is, it's a selfless job. There's little thank yous, uh, little appreciation. Oftentimes, the mother takes a back seat. You are celebrated but you aren't appreciated as much. I saw a a comedy act one time (laughs) where the gentleman was talking about how Mother's Day is the third most celebrated holiday behind Christmas and Easter. So you have Jesus and then Mama. I think Father's Day was 14th. (laughs) I can't even think of 11 other holidays (laughs) to celebrate. (laughs) I think Arbor Day was above Father's Day. So that just goes to show you that women and mothers, you are celebrated, uh, but very underappreciated. So motherhood is an appointed position within God's structure. Without a true Christian mother in the home, it is impossible to structure the strong foundation God intended for the family. Single moms and single dads, God bless you because you have to do it all. You have every role in these two messages put together. You have to be the disciplinarian. Uh, You have to be the nose and butt wiper. You have to be the chauffeur. You have every role that is mentioned between a warrior father and a warrior mother. Those reasons, um, you know, can be decisions that you've made, relationships that have failed But as a mom and dad, do not use your kids as pawns to get back at the other person. 
there should be a level of respect uh, between the two of you because your kids are, are watching you. That was one thing that Tiff and I <coughs> worked very hard about was, um, for those of you that don't know, I, we are a uh, mixed marriage, mixed family. Um, I, do not, I did not have any children of my own when we met. Uh, Tiff had a four-year-old little blonde-headed girl named Kinley um, when we met and got married. And we just focused so hard on not trying to say anything that was negative uh, towards the other half. Um, I know my role. I know my job as a dad, and uh, that is to be a dad. I stay within those boundaries, and um, we have a great relationship. And part of that relationship is because I have a stepdad also. And uh, I always said if I could have half of the relationship with my stepdaughter as I have with my stepdad, that I would be doing okay. Unfortunately, today's society, that's very rare. That's also very sad. Um, <clears throat> so you hear a lot of us talk about family a lot. <clears throat> we believe that Christian Warriors Church is not a one-family church. It is one church that is a family. You know, yes, Micah is the lead pastor and his wife, Amanda. They have three beautiful daughters. Um, he is the face of this church because he is the lead pastor. But it takes everybody in this room. This is a family. This is not a church that you just go to. This is a family that you belong to. And that creates a movement. That movement is to grow generations in Christ. When we start growing and we start multiplying, you ever saw an analogy about fire ants. If you take a, a hundred fire ants, they can't do much. You take a hundred million, they can build a cathedral. Our job is to grow God's kingdom, and we have to do that within the family. <clears throat> so I found ten characteristics uh, of what a godly mother should look like. I know when you say ten, you're like, good grief, we'll be here all day. Y'all know me better than that. So the first characteristic is a godly mother should keep Christ first. It's so easy to get distracted by culture or your own selfish desires. You are commanded to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and might. This world is temporary, but what you do for God is eternal, and you need to always keep that in mind. Um, prayer, keeping God first. Your prayer should be no different than the warrior father or the warrior husband's prayer. It should be prayer for provision and protection over your family constantly. Uh, fervent prayer, diligent prayer, prayer, pray over your kids, pray over your family. Number two is a godly mother, I'm sorry, a godly mother will submit to her husband. We've talked about this. Mike has mentioned it in Biblical Divorce. Uh, he's also mentioned it in the Warrior Father series. Uh, guys, when we hear that, that word submit, we're like, that's right. And women hear that word submit and they, just, they cringe. If there was ever a situation where a decision had to be made, <clears throat> I would make that decision and not think twice about it. If I were to make that decision, my wife would not think twice about it because I am submissive to God. Any decision that is ever made, 
uh, we would talk about it, and if there ever had to be a decision made where I had to make a decision, she would go along with it 100% of the time. That's the submission he's talking about. He's not talking about ruling over you by thumb. He's not talking about doing anything other than if you're submissive to God, then she will be submissive to you. A godly mother will love, train, teach, and discipline, and discipline, and discipline her children. Your children depend on you to love them unconditionally. They need you to teach, train, <clears throat> they need you to teach and train them in the Lord. So you need to do this by giving discipline as well as praising what they are doing right. We all know Proverbs 13, 24. I think we got a slide for that. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. I think that's where a lot of things flipped in our society is we quit disciplining our kids. Um, we give them safe places to go to and you know, we don't use hurtful words or we don't do things. Um, we, I personally, I was raised, my dad spent 20 years in the military, he spent 20 years in the Air Force, and although he didn't rule with an iron fist, uh, we had discipline in the house. Uh, I was corrected often. We correct our children when needed. But what we had to be intentional and conscious about is also not just pointing out their wrongs. As a father and as a mother, they need to be praised. They need to be recognized. Hey, when they do something good, we need to try to more focus on that than the negative. When you start telling your kids all they're doing is wrong, 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 that's all they're going to think about. So there has to be that balance between correction and praise as well. The fourth one is a uh, godly mother should be a keeper of the home. This is highly debatable as well in today's culture, even Christian culture. Uh, pull up Titus 2, 3, Nick. <coughs> I want to drop down to verse 5. It says, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Uh, the keeper of the home is a little tricky. That's uh, something that we, actually, we have a housekeeper. I always thought it was... Instead of just spending all the time not having to clean the house, since we both have careers, we'll pay somebody else to do it. We can spend that time with each other doing other things. Uh, but I take that keeper of the home to be a little bit different. Motherhood uh, is a high calling. God gave you your children to nurture and to train. That doesn't mean you can't bring anything to the table as far as income or career. Uh, and even Proverbs 31 even said that. However, your priority is your family and your home. Number five, a godly mother will not crave outward beauty. This is another one that's tough today with our, uh, our culture. There's so, much, there's so much put on an outward appearance. And most of the time, ladies, if I'm being honest, we don't care. I get asked all the time, which shoes look good? I don't even know you have shoes on. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's... <laughs> that's right <laughs> but I know and it's something that men and women will never un men will never understand that about women is uh just the focus on it I get it we want y'all to look beautiful we want you to think that you look pretty but I guarantee it that if you saw yourself 
the way your husband sees you just once, you'd quit worrying about it. And plus, the keeper of the home, my wife's ADD, and we can't keep anything in order at our house. We have stacks of stuff everywhere. You know, I'm going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> uh, so your heart towards God is of utmost importance. And that is, in fact, ladies, what makes you truly beautiful. Number six, so the godly mother should be content. We do want to keep up with the Joneses. That's our normal instinct. Um, but you should want your children to have the things that they, you know, and I, we're bad about that. We, all, we raise our kids in a way that we want them to have the things that we maybe never had. I was very fortunate. I never, may have never gotten anything or everything that I wanted, but I had everything that I needed. And I think if you can get your children to, they're not going to process it till they get older, uh, just like every other kid. Um, but I think if you just provide that stability for them and know, hey, you always have a roof over your head, you always have food to, to eat, you have a place to sleep. When they get older, I know there's cars that come into the play. Um, Having what they need versus having what they want is where we have to draw the line with that. So teach them to be content so that you can be content yourself. Um, ultimately, these things do not bring true contentment. If, we have, if you have basic necessities, then you should be content. We should practice gratitude instead of wanting more. So number seven is a godly mother should seek wisdom. So the Proverbs are full of verses talking about how men and women should seek wisdom. Uh, I want to go to James 1.5 real quick. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This reminds us that God gives wisdom to whoever asks. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but uh, I need all the wisdom I can get. Um, and you should too, even as a mother and as a wife. So number eight, godly mothers should seek God's approval and not man's. Do you base your decisions on what others think of you? What about the culture around you with the filters and social media? It's just, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, your priority needs to be pleasing God and seeking his approval above all else. Number nine, a godly mother should model godly behavior for her children. There's two expressions that you hear a lot is more is caught than taught, and do as I do, not as I say. Uh, we try to be very, very conscious of the do as I do, not as I say. You know, it's hard for me to tell you to, you know, don't smoke if I go out to the garage and, and smoke a cigarette. Um, we try to do that. Giving grace to other people is where my wife and I both fall short. That's what's a good thing about Jesus is his is endless, and I put limitations on my grace that I give somebody, uh, especially my kids. And she knows that, especially the oldest one, because she point blank asked us one day, you know, oh, I wish y'all would just give me grace. We've given, I've given you all the grace that I'm going to give you. Uh, <laughs> I have, my grace has run out. Um, you know, and we do this at the grocery store. Somebody cuts us off. We do it at the school pickup line where we're waiting forever. There's things that our kids see us do that after we do it, I know I cringe. 
I was like, ah, I can't believe I just did that. And then sure enough, you think they didn't hear it, and then two months down the road, my little eight-year-old will mimic exactly <laughs> what I said. And uh, for those of you that know her, you know I'm telling the truth. Uh, <clears throat> so your children learn from your behavior, and that can be very intimidating, but they also can learn from your mistakes. And when you do make those mistakes, they learn your willingness to ask for forgiveness from them, from your spouse, from whoever it may be. When we do something wrong, just humble yourselves and ask them for your forgiveness. They also need to see you reading the Bible and praying. They need to watch you serve. They need to watch you share the gospel. And no, you're not going to be perfect at it. There's nothing more than I love than to come out of the bedroom in the morning and to see my wife drinking coffee, reading her devotional. And that's a plug for the ladies' devotional. Will mentioned that earlier. If you'd like to get involved, see Hillary Harris for that. The last one, um, number 10, says a godly mother will train younger women as she ages. Again, Nick, pull Titus 2 back up. In verse 3, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. It is important to have somebody in front of you and behind you. An older woman can be a mentor, just as you mentor others who are younger than you in motherhood or in faith. Young women need to learn from those older and wiser think we have a very very good dynamic here at this church I've always said you know you need the buzzing of the hearing aids and the crying of the babies and we have a very good mix of that um, yeah I don't get mad at me but we have people like mama Denise and miss Ann that I mean let's be honest they're older uh, and I see them pouring into they're pouring into our my generation's wives who are turning around and pouring into our kids. And it's the same thing with the men. Uh, Don, neither one of them are here. Uh, our elders, Mark, Randy, I mean, those guys, they pour into, into us so that we can pour into our kids as well. So when I talked about earlier, you know, how can, uh, how could you as a man give a message about a warrior mother well, I mentioned, you know, that I'm, I'm married to one. Uh, I'm very proud to say that I am. Uh, and I'm also very proud to say that I was raised by one. Um, and I did not know that until I was very much older. Uh, my mom was a Proverbs 22.6 mom. Uh, train a child up in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they'll never depart from it. The bad thing was is I don't know that I was trained in it. Um, she did the best she could. Uh, to try to keep us in church. Uh, unfortunately, I had a dad that was raised by a mom whose his dad was off at war half the time. That's his generation. So I feel his generation was drugged to church eight days a week every time the door was open. Uh, he was uh, one of four siblings, so I have no doubt his mom was doing the right thing by taking them to church. I think in his mentality, he was probably trying to do me a service by not dragging me to church. And actually, it was just the opposite. Uh, it actually did me a disservice. When I got old enough, 
to not, she couldn't force me anymore to go. I'd rather sit at home and watch the Cowboys lose uh, than go to church. And I think that had a <clears throat> very big impact on me more than I actually thought. Um, but as I got older, I realized that uh, how much time that she spent on her knees praying that I would come in the door. I would wake up and pray that my car was sitting outside, not on blocks. Uh, and she was just praying that I came home. I remember hanging out with uh, people that I was doing things with that I shouldn't have been doing. And uh, one of them looked at me as like, man, you need to stop. You need to slow down. And uh, my response was, I'm good. God would never take me because he knew it would destroy my mother. That's a bad place to be in. Um, I believe that. I had no doubt um, that she was my warrior. And the crazy thing is that as I got older, she apologized to me. So she didn't think she did a good job raising me. I've never said thank you to either of you. But every day that I wake up, I try to show you how thankful I am because y'all saved me. So how can I preach a message about warrior mother? It's because God used two of them to make me who I am today. And because of four women, my mom, my wife, and my two daughters, I am a warrior father, I am a warrior husband, and I am a Christian warrior. Moms, you have such an impact on your kids. Use it to benefit God's kingdom. That's my gift back to my mom. Never in a million years does she probably think that I'd be standing on stage giving a message at a church? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> so kids, your parents love you, even though you hate them sometimes. Um, moms, you are celebrated and you are appreciated, uh, even when we don't tell you that you are.